from St. Louis Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the Air. I am definitely ready to abolish DST. I've been ready for years, and God bless you for uh, making this a topic on your show. Get rid of it. No more daylight savings time ever. Arizona is on standard time. I know people that work at golf courses there. It is not a problem. Some folks will say, yeah, but they're a southern state closer to the equator, so they don't experience the seasonal changes as much. And, and so for the mailmen, you prefer that daylight saving time? Yes. Uh, and I think this would apply for almost any other person who works outside. Interesting, you know, people have their individual routines. Different jobs have different schedules. You talked about the golf lobby. Here we're hearing from the mailman lobby. I mean, it's, you know, John has a valid perspective here. We'll have a little over 100 more uh, dark morning commutes during daylight saving time. But we'll actually have um, only something like 40 or so fewer uh, bright uh, afternoons after work. I'm Sarah Fenske. Last week, the United States Senate voted unanimously to do something that Eric Herzog has wanted them to do for a very long time. It voted to do away with the biannual time changes that have us springing forward and falling back. But it did so in a way that has Eric Herzog very unhappy. Eric is a chronobiologist at Washington University. That means he studies the molecules, cells, and circuits that underlie our daily rhythms in physiology and behavior. And he says the Senate's plan to switch to permanent daylight savings time is a huge mistake. And Eric Herzog joins us today to tell us about it. Eric, welcome back. Good morning, Sarah. How are you? So I'm feeling good, but I have a feeling you're going to tell me the Senate is moving in the wrong direction here. Break this down for us. By moving to permanent daylight saving time, what happens to the sunlight for most Americans? So, of course, the sunlight doesn't really change. The Earth continues to rotate about its axis, and we have sunrise and sunset um, just continuing on. Um, as the seasons progress. What changes is the clock on our wall. And so that's a social change, not a solar change. Mm. And the result is that uh, many of us will notice, for example, on this spring forward, we lost an hour of sleep and people will complain about that. But the problems seem to persist for many days, especially if you uh, think about things like traffic accidents and heart attacks, those go up for about three days after the switch to daylight saving time. But that's not what uh, has me advocating for permanent standard time. The acute effects of switching um, are highly unpopular. Most people in the United States want to end annual time changing. And then all we have to do is decide, well, which do we want to keep? Do we want to keep standard time or permanent standard uh, Go ahead, Sarah. Yeah, I mean, it, it turns out that's a huge question. I mean, the, the fact the Senate moved unanimously in one direction, it seems like America has kind of erupted over this. People have so many feelings about which direction they should have gone. That's absolutely right. And there have been a number of polls. And I think one, we ha one thing we have to recognize is we're not all the same. We don't all have a, the same preferred wake-up time. But we do 
most of us share um, things like schedules that we have to abide by, like starting work at 9 a.m. or if you're in high school, starting high school at 8 a.m. And so um, the recommendations from the scientific and medical community are that permanent standard time would be the best for the majority. And when we look at popularity polls, like two polls out from the AP, they indicate that most people um, are in favor of permanent standard time. And what makes the scientific community, uh, you know, the consensus seems to be, yes, standard time. What makes that better uh, from their point of view, your point of view? Yeah, this has really been interesting to watch um, evolve. Um, so uh, I was the president of a scientific society from 2018 to 2020. And during that time, uh, we as a society of researchers and physicians and industry representatives evaluated the literature on what we predicted would be better, permanent standard time or permanent daylight saving time. And that society, called the Society for Research on Biological Rhythms, wrote the first position paper advocating for permanent standard time. And the evidence was based on uh, mostly human health data which is something that interests some people, but not everybody. So we can talk also about crime, safety, energy. Um, even religion has come into how people are deciding whether they prefer standard time or daylight saving time. But we as uh, scientists and physicians have advocated that standard time, where, which is when um, a time zone has the sun directly overhead at noon, in the middle of the time zone. That's the schedule that we should have our clocks on so that um, we as biological entities living on this planet um, are best aligned to the light-dark cycle. And there's a real health impact of this, that people do better, have better results if they're in that alignment? Yeah, that's a really great question. So uh, in addition to the acute downsides of uh, switching to daylight saving time, um, we have uh, some evidence that if we lived on daylight saving time uh, year round, we would experience um, increases in things like cancer, obesity, and heart attacks. And the evidence for that comes from comparisons of people who live on eastern edges of time zones with people who live on western edges of time zones. And this is especially true in big, you know, wide time zones. Mm -hmm. As we move further and further west in a time zone, the sun rises later and later and later. So it's a lot like living on daylight saving time. Mm -hmm. And what we see is increases in the rates of cancer. For example, overall in the United States, across the four time zones, we see an average of 10% increase in cancer rate for every five degrees west you travel. And then suddenly, as soon as you get to the next boundary, the next eastern edge of a time zone, the cancer rates drop again. And so this suggests that humans are doing their best to be aligned to the natural light cycle, and that those who have to wake up in the dark on the western edges of time zones are um, at risk for um, things like uh, health risks, even lower uh, sleep and lower uh, economic uh, earning potential. I mean, this just seems mind-blowing that you're able to, to chart it to this level. What's the hypothesis of why we'd see an increase in something like cancer for people who are living in, in the less preferred edge of the time zone? 
it's a great question. What, what we think is happening is that our bodies, like all organisms on this planet, have um, adapted to the challenges of living on a 24-hour cycle. So everywhere on Earth, the sun rises and sets. And that daily schedule is a highly reliable cue to tell us, for example, when food is available. If you're a plant, you photosynthesize during the day and you need to move sugars around in your body, in your plant body, um, differently at night. And we also need to be able to eat during the day and starve at night. And so we've adapted an internal genetic program that we inherit from our parents that allows us to anticipate those daily challenges. And that's probably been true since the beginning of life on Earth. Every organism on the planet has a circadian clock that helps us keep near 24-hour time. And it synchronizes to local time. And you know when it's messed up, for example, when you travel across multiple time zones, mm -hmm. and it takes you a few days to many days to feel good again, to feel like you're waking up on local time and. Uh, many people will complain of uh, jet lag disorders like um, uh, feeling moody, feeling like they, they crave carbohydrates and other maladies that are associated with being misaligned with the light-dark cycle. Wow. So it's interesting to, to think of the impact this is having on us, something that I think a lot of us don't think about. And, and as we mentioned, there is fierce debate going on about this right now. Um, a lot of people have been ready to weigh in on this. That includes John in St. Louis. He says he's ready to ditch daylight savings time entirely. He wants to move to standard time year-round. I am definitely ready to abolish DST. I've been ready for years. And God bless you for uh, making this a topic on your show. Get rid of it. No more daylight savings time ever. Ever. John is emphatic. <laughs> well, John agrees with our guest today, Eric Herzog of Washington University. Maybe you're listening. Maybe you don't. We want to hear from you. And we want to know why. Uh, Eric may be able to help reason with you. You may be steadfast in your beliefs. But you can call us at 314-382-8255. That's 382-TALK. You can also send us a tweet at STL on air. Uh, Jim is on the phone from Kirkwood. Um, Jim, hi. You're on St. Louis on the air. Well, I have a little bit of an edge on, on this because I'm, uh, I'm an astronomer. We like to do star parties, and it's a real pain in the summer to try to get it dark enough soon enough to hold star parties. So that's one. Um, standard time is not a problem for evening activities. Um, case in point, everybody's always like, uh, well, you got to have you know more time to golf, right? Mm -hmm. Well, guess what? Arizona is on standard time. I know people that work at golf courses there. It is not a problem. Um, and so don't use that as an excuse uh, for, you know, doing what you need to do. And I also teach, and I would, I would be, I think it would be criminal to make my students who start at Northwest High School uh, when I taught there, they started at 7.30 a.m. They would be in the dark for almost two hours after getting to school. Uh, if you kept daylight savings time in the winter. Jim, you make a lot of good points there. Thank you for sharing those. Eric, it's interesting that he talks about Arizona. I'm a former Arizona resident. They do not do time shifts there. They're on permanent standard time. Uh, what's the sense of how Arizona is doing with that from the, the chronobiologist perspective? Yeah, Jim is right. The data from Arizona, which has remained on standard time uh, throughout, as has um, Hawaii, 
um, is that they do see benefits by staying on standard time. Now, some folks will say, yeah, but they're a southern state closer to the equator, so they don't experience the seasonal changes as much. Mm -hmm. um, however, if we compare just that eastern edge of Arizona to the western edge of its neighboring state, um, we do see those discrepancies between uh, health and wellness. Um, again, so there's some suggestion, as uh, the astronomers have said, that there are real benefits to standard time, um, even in, in the South. So we have heard from so many of you. We put up a Twitter poll this morning. That's not exactly scientific, uh, but we're at more than 100 votes at this point. 74% of respondents voted in favor of permanent standard time, which is, again, what Eric Herzog is here advocating for. 22% agree with the U.S. Senate. They want permanent daylight savings time. Just 4% want to keep the status quo of springing forward and falling back. It seems like that may be the one thing America could agree on is we don't like that part of things. Um, we're going to take a quick break here as we talk to Eric Herzog. Again, he's a professor of biology and neuroscience at Washington University. He's also the founder of the Herzog Lab, which has uncovered some mechanisms underlying how circadian clocks regulate our physiology, our behavior, and our health. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to conservation and careful management of the state's forests to make them more resilient and better habitats for wildlife. Choosewood.com. Welcome back. Our topic today is the U.S. Senate's recent vote to move the country to permanent daylight saving time. My guest today is Eric Herzog, a professor of biology and neuroscience at Washington University. He thinks the Senate is moving in the wrong direction. Time changes that happen twice a year, not a good idea, but this is even worse. Um, and we have a whole bunch of people who want to talk to us about this. Our phone lines are blowing up. Let's go to PJ, who is calling from St. Louis. Uh, PJ, hi, you're on St. Louis on the Air. Hi, thank you for taking my call. Um, my question is um, that uh, Professor Herzog explained that science behind using daylight saving time with the increased cancer rates in the different time zones. Mm -hmm. Why isn't that same characteristic true for standard time? PJ, thank you for that question. Um, Eric, does that uh, question make sense to you? It does. It makes great sense. PJ, the idea is that um, we as... Um, uh, living organisms have daily rhythms in, for example, every hormone in your body. And uh, for example, just before you wake up, you have a surge in cortisol, a stress hormone. And the idea is that when we're living on standard time, those daily rhythms are all in order, sort of like uh, the ingredients going into a cake in the right order and you end up with a good cake. The idea is that during daylight saving time, we have a one hour uh, discrepancy between our body clock and the environmental clock. So we're having a hard time waking up in the mornings. We're more dependent upon our alarm clocks, which means we wake up unnaturally. We tend to get more light in the evenings, which actually has the added effect of delaying our clocks uh, and forcing us to want to wake up even later. 
And so we have a consequence on our physiology that can actually put us at r greater risk for a wide variety of cancers. And so the most compelling study that um, I cited earlier said there's about a 10% increase in cancer overall for every five degrees west. That's one third of a time zone. And if you look at specific cancers, it can be even higher. We don't know why some cancers are at greater risk during your at greater risk for cancer um, during daylight saving time, but it could be um, these uh, misalignments of the normal daily events in your body that help you repair DNA damage, help you protect against uh, the damaging effects of environmental toxicants. Hmm. Well, PJ, thank you for that question. It's interesting to dig into this. I think this is something where I, I just keep shaking my head. I'm, I'm fascinated by this cancer and time zone connection. Um, Eric, we also got a voicemail from a contrary voice. This is somebody who's kind of challenging where you're coming from. I'm going to play this voicemail from Gary in University City. There's an old saying that says if you're a hammer, everything looks like a nail. And from a chronobiological perspective, those physicians are going to look at the chronobiology of time shifts from their lens. But that's not the only lens to look at the problem through. Consider that America has roughly 35 to 40% of us with obesity, the disease of obesity, and consider how much an extra hour of daylight might do to potentiate getting people out to walk and exercise toward healthier lifestyles. Sure, there's a downside on chronobiology, but there's upsides too. And at the end of the day, we have to have a balanced approach. And I think the balanced approach is to do what's best in the long run for patients and people and, and populations and let, and let people have more time after work to go and work out and get healthy. Most people put on weight through the winter in this latitude and they take off weight in the summer. Let's keep potentiating that by allowing longer daylight after work. And that is Gary from University City. And Eric Herzog, that's a sentiment I do hear from people, that this it would help us uh, with fitness if we move to permanent daylight savings time. Uh, where do you think those people are, are getting it wrong? So it's, uh, it's a great point that Gary raises, that uh, people enjoy the idea of summertime afternoon sunlight for exercise. And I think the strongest advocates for... Uh, congressional change are actually the golf lobby in Florida, which have convinced Marco Rubio that this is the direction um, Florida should be moving. Um, it's actually a little bit of a mis, uh, miscommunication to say that we get an extra hour of sunlight. Um, of course, people associate daylight saving time with summertime, but that's just because we now observe daylight saving time for eight months out of the year. And so many of us actually think of daylight saving time as exactly that. We're somehow saving time, but we're not saving any time. What we're doing is we're uh, just shifting our social calendar. And the idea that people will exercise more in the summer is true, but there's no evidence that people will exercise more during daylight saving time. So if we were on standard time and people could rely less on their alarm clocks, they could still have time in the afternoons to exercise or for those who choose to could exercise in the mornings. We're still so, we're still going to get that summer sunshine, um, even if we switch to permanent standard time. I mean, that's that doesn't change that. That's right. So one way to think about it is how many days a year would we have dark morning commutes versus bright afternoon 
uh, time, time free after work. And it turns out that there's a, a miscommunication here. We're in St. Louis, we'll have a, a little over 100 more uh, dark morning commutes during daylight saving time. But we'll actually have um, only something like 40 or so fewer uh, bright uh, afternoons after work um, in, in the summer. Let's go back to the, the phone lines here. Um, John is calling from Ferguson. Uh, hi, John. You're on St. Louis on the air. Hi. Um, I'm a mailman here, and every year I've been a mailman for 30 years. Good for and you, John. Year, yeah, and every year they shift the time, and we've got to deliver mail at night. Now, if they didn't shift the time, I mean, you have a nine-hour day through November, December, and January. Yeah, I mean, we're going to work in the dark one place or the other. We might as well work dark in the office, opposed to working in the dark on the street. And and so for the mailmen, you prefer that daylight saving time. Yes, uh, and I think this would apply for almost any other person who works outside, because it, their time is affected. You can't you get extra hour daylight in the morning, yeah, but how many people hit the street in the morning? John, thank you for sharing that perspective. And, and Eric, it's interesting, you know, people have their individual routines. Different jobs have different schedules. You talked about the golf lobby. Here we're hearing from the mailman lobby. I mean, it's, you know, John has a valid perspective here. But overall, I doubt you're going to change your mind over that. Yeah, this is a really great point, John. And I appreciate hearing uh, from the mailman's perspective. Um, and, and it is really important to um, think about public safety and public um, uh, the risks that we take. The evidence is that um, sleepy drivers in the morning are our greatest risk for, for example, car accidents. Mm. And that afternoon accidents are much less rare. So people leaving from work are less groggy than people heading to work. And so we, um, we in the scientific community find evidence that light in the morning is a better uh, solution for public safety. But I understand the concern, and it was 1974 in the United States when we went to permanent daylight saving time. And it only lasted for a few months before it was repealed because uh, children were killed, unfortunately, at bus stops waiting for the school bus um, in, uh, in the morning. And so that was the main reason that the public repealed daylight saving time in 1974. Hmm. It is interesting how short-lived that experiment was. Uh, Eric, do you believe if we try this again, we might see just as fast a, a turnaround from it? That is a really great question and one that we've been thinking about a little bit more in terms of what's the cost of trying something and then repealing it uh, repeatedly. So we're not the only country that has tried to go to permanent daylight saving time and then repealed it. It's happened about four other times around the world. And um, in each case, it does involve a lot of planning. Um, if the Sunshine Act is enacted into law, it won't become law until November of 2023 to give the airlines and some of the other big industries a chance to plan their schedules accordingly. So I think we really do want to be collecting data this time to help us understand the impacts of whatever we choose on health, safety, economics, and the other things that people care about. 
So this might be one we don't want to just shove through. Uh, let's go back to the phone lines. Dan is calling from Twin Oaks. Uh, Dan, hi, you're on St. Louis on the air. Uh, you, you probably just answered my question. I was wondering about the effect on airlines and international trade and, and issues like that, nothing to do with, with health, but just to do with uh, what governments and uh, industries have to do to adjust to the time change. Yeah, I mean, this adjustment, as uh, as Eric was just pointing out, it does have some some serious repercussions for a whole lot of industries. And, and that kind of leads me into something, Eric, that was raised by several of our listeners on Twitter um, who suggest, why don't we just split the difference? Mike writes, fall back 30 minutes this fall and keep it there. That way the daylight gets equally split between everyone fighting for it. Compromise. Is that an idea that could ever work in light of the fact that the United States is, is part of the world? Would that create problems for us to be on a half-hour increment versus an hour? Um, there, there's an interesting idea that has come up uh, repeatedly through the years. And the idea is that, in fact, most of the planet does not observe daylight saving time ever. Hmm. Um, there's, um, I've forgotten the exact numbers, but I think there's something like 7 billion of us on the planet and a little over 1 billion of us that experience daylight saving for part of the year. Uh, nobody lives on permanent daylight saving time, uh, to my knowledge. Um, and it does cause confusion when we don't have consistent division of time zones as you move north or move west um, in your travel. So um, much of the world has advocated for the U.S. to stay on standard time. For example, uh, Europe and Africa have started to uh, voice their opinion that the Sunshine Act is moving in the wrong direction. Hmm. Um, but splitting the difference would probably not be a good solution in that it doesn't really ensure that the sun is directly overhead at noon and ensure that our bodies are best aligned to the local light-dark cycle. It might make for less of a misalignment, but um, it still might have some uh, chronic health consequences. So in addition to all the callers we've heard from, and, and there's so many that unfortunately we are not going to be able to get to today, but we also got a number of really thoughtful emails. Uh, Michael from Creve Core writes, I am opposed to changing to permanent daylight saving time because of the potential health impact of having the clock time and the actual daylight hours misalign all year round. As a parent, I'm particularly concerned about the winter and the impact it will have on children going to school in the dark, and especially many high schoolers who are already dealing with school start times that are too early for their normal Normal sleep cycles. He much prefers standard time if we have to move one way or another. But Michael says this, my question is, as an individual citizen, what can I do to make my voice heard where it might actually have an impact? Eric, I know that's something that scientists are currently grappling with as well. You guys want to be heard in this debate. Any advice for people who feel strongly about this issue? That's a great question and one that I'm learning more about because my, my um, activity in this has been as a scientist talking to you, Sarah, and the public. Um, but now there is a nonprofit organization called SaveStandardTime.org. And if you go to their website, Save Standard Time, um, they have a link to help you advocate uh, to your local politicians. Uh, for whatever you prefer, daylight saving time or standard time. Okay, well, savestandardtime.org for everybody who's passionate about this. That's a great resource. Eric Herzog, thank you so much for joining us today. 
My pleasure. Thank you very much, Sarah. And Eric is a professor of biology and neuroscience at Washington University. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio. This episode was produced by Jane Mather Glass and Alex Hoyer with audio engineering and podcast design by Aaron Dorr. Our executive producer is Alex Hoyer. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thanks. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association. Missouri produces wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details on the variety of products made in the state are at ChooseWood.com.